So Clay, I was talking about how the pilot Broken Bow was very similar to the reboot that they did uh, for the Zindi, which was the season three premiere episode. Mm-hmm. This one, surprisingly similar, where I don't know if you remember the, the second season, the first second episode I of the first season. do not. It's the one where they come across that dead ship filled with dead aliens, and they're all being sucked of, of their blood by some oh, other alien. Oh, sure. And they yes. do the same thing here. They find an abandoned ship full of dead aliens. So it's it's interesting, mm-hmm. even in such a minor way, how this is exactly the same season as the first season. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Yeah, they're just sliding down the ladder balls first into this third <laughs> season by reusing. It's But it's a different point that was gonna be, that was gonna be my That was going to be my thumbnail for the... the the video yeah. is just Archer legs it's, legs akimbo. I don't know how that's tactically better than if you just have Jump like down. one hand on the rail and just carefully go down. But uh, yeah, I guess it looks better on TV. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's. I I mean, I guess you could argue it's a different point of view because they have a different goal now. Uh, they're they're more military minded, but yeah. It's totally yeah, I different. Mean it's, it's it's just a bizarre. It's a strange similarity. After you reuse footage from Bo- Broken Bow to launch the ship, and then your mm-hmm. first episode after that is here's a ship full of dead aliens. What the hell happened to them? Which isn't really a major part of the plot. It's just no. Like, I was going to say that's like the whole plot of the yeah. first season episode. This is just you know happens Kick to be starts. a uh, uh, yeah a happenstance. All right, this one's anomaly. So let's play a clip from the episode. We'll take a break while that happens. We'll come back and we'll break down anomaly. How bad is it? They made off with three photonic torpedoes, a case of plasma rifles, two dozen stun grenades. Chef says they cleaned out half the food stores. And cargo bay two's been stripped to the bulkheads, but that's not the worst of it. They took every one of our antimatter storage pods. All we've got left is what's in the main reactor. How long will that last? A month? Tops. After that, we're out of gas. Anomaly is the second episode of the third season of Star Trek Enterprise. It came out on September 17th, 2003. It is three of 28 in the Zindi Crisis, written by Mike Sussman, directed by David Strayton, in universe date, specifically not known. It's 2153. In this episode, Enterprise is damaged by spatial anomalies and bordered Boarded, boarded by an interstellar pirates who robbed the ship of critical resources. Um, I guess the first thing to say about this one is much like the Zindi episode, I feel there's um there's a definite d- distinct from the quality of the episode. There's a definite energy change on this show mm-hmm. at this point. It like it mm-hmm. feels like a different show. Um. I think that this one is kind of similar to the Zindi episode in a lot of ways where the show seems to have its action balance down, right? Like I'm no longer like, what the hell are these action sequences going on? I, I All of the action takes place in this like believable world and setup that they've given me. And I'm like, this all mm-hmm. makes sense. And the last five minutes of this one where the ship is trying to fight off the other ship is maybe some of the best action cinematography they've ever done. It like looks great. Mm. The lights in the background of the bridge look fantastic. Like the production set design looks great. A lot of dramatic close-ups on people, and I actually felt there was tension in that battle, which I hardly ever feel in any of the ship-to-ship shit that this uh, show does. I don't know. The show just feels like it's um, energized or something would be the way I would describe it, distinct from any kind of quality about the episode or anything like that. Sure. Yeah, it seems like they're... Leaning into that stuff a little bit more. 
Um, and I, I was and being better it, it at is it. Fun. Yeah, that, that, that's yeah, my getting, point. Is to be better. They're better at what they were trying yeah. to do before. Yeah. Well, I do think I think it's probably a conscious thing. I do think they are leaning into it more because uh, I was expecting this to be more of a weird deep space episode where reality starts warping and things start going crazy and that just happens to be something that happens in the first 10 minutes and then you don't really talk about it again um and then it turns it turns into a uh are you tough enough to kill during wartime or something story i, I don't want to discount the anomaly thing because mm-hmm. the anomalies are only there early and they kind of bring them up in the background of the later parts of the episode as a problem like they can't get the torpedoes to work because these anomalies sure. keep screwing it up sure. you never see them sure. but even outside of that thematically what the show is doing now that i think they never did really before is that the anomalies are a metaphor because they disfigure things they disfigure the ship mm-hmm. they disfigure people who get hit by them and archer's mm. morality is being disfigured by them here and i think it's just the show being deeper than it's ever been it, not and i will discount this by saying some of the when the show is not being subtle about it enterprise kind of is whiffing at this stuff when archer has his conversations like well i'll just have to see what my morality allows me to do i'm like stop fucking talking just let the anomalies do all the talking for you please but i i think that the show is like symbolically more interesting at this point than it ever has been in the previous couple seasons yeah i um i would agree it's uh i think this one was a little bit lackluster for me just because it didn't feel like much that I hadn't seen before on better shows, I guess. Um, not that that's anything different for Enterprise, but uh, it, uh, yeah, I still don't buy Angry Archer a hundred percent. I do, I do appreciate that he's having a, a a problem of morality, but I do, I wish that there was more um, variation to his performance. Now it seems <laughs> like they told him, you okay. <laughs> You're angry this season. He's like, say no more. I got it. There's no down, um, downtime for you, Scott. He's just, he's angry. Yeah. That, I think that's my problem with the portrayal, and I assume it's a directorial thing. He is never not seething, no, no matter what's right. happened in this. And it's like, right. I think it ties into my larger problem here. My biggest problem with this episode, I think, is that this, this action for Archer is way too soon in this journey. This is a... Mm. This is something that I need like 10 episodes of things getting worse and worse for the Enterprise until sure. they have no choice but to do something drastic to get around it. And I know that they, they, they're they kind of trying to hint at this by saying that the ship has spent a long time in the Expanse. And so things are different. But that's discovery level bullshit where it's like, right, I don't right. believe that anything has changed. Like, I don't see any of this stuff. You need to show me this stuff to show me how things are bad. That's my big problem. This is way too early of a plot, even if I like it a lot for Archer. Um, I don't know if mm. I don't know if you felt the same way or if you think it's just angry Archer is too too angry all the time is the main problem with it. I think him being angry all the time makes it harder to dip in and empathize with it. Um, but yeah, I w- I would agree. I think it's uh, I, I think it's probably a little too early. Um, and is this the, the, is this the first time they've lost a crewman? Have we ever pinned that down? Cause they seem sure to be acting not. as though. I'm no? pretty okay. sure it's not. He, he gets upset by that guy who's dead in the sick bay. Is that what you're talking about? 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I th- I th- I'm pretty sure someone's died before this. So I don't I don't think the I didn't take the uh, the crewman as the breaking the straw that broke the camel's back for Archer mm-hmm. in this sense. I think it's just the fact that he we're being told that they are up against a time limit and a stress level that is apparently I think it's supposed to just be the Zindi weapon like being developed like the Death Star is coming. So Archer needs to get out there and figure out what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the show is selling that, and particularly in his performance, about this as being an escalating situation. It's just, it just seems like the directors came in, like the season three note is just everyone is pissed off, and we're just yeah. going to go yeah. with it. So just just run with it. Even even episode two, where we barely know anything about this place, you're just pissed off at everybody, and you're going to have to take some drastic measures to flip this shit around. Yeah. Yeah, it would be it would have been nice this early on to see an episode that was more focused on inter- crew uh relationships and and that kind of stuff to see how people are reacting to all this kind of stuff yeah um but uh yeah when you still get flocks who's very unsubtly pushing uh trip and and to paul together which they just neither one of them want to do it but he's just there to make it happen he's got to make it happen that doesn't uh i know the flux talks they don't have a massage scene in this one do they i don't think they do no 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 no. he basically he backs him into a corner a bit with some leeches but that's about it (laughs) um yeah yeah it's 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 interesting because like the the pirate guys that they come across you know i i understand that the uh the monologue that he gives in the in the in the the brig there is i assume supposed to be like almost as though uh <clears throat> he's describing what lies ahead for archer and the enterprise yeah i like um, that that the the expanse is a place where you go in and you can't get out and it changes you like there's something it's mm. a very hostile different universe than what you're used to on the outside i just and not to interrupt, I'll go back to you, but it's like I think that I think the show has to do a better job of showing that to you over the course of a couple episodes. It has to really yeah. show that because when you think about it, what he ran into here is not really all that different from generic militiamen that they've always no. been running into. So no, it, it doesn't feel like things are really different for the crew, except that they're all angry. Sorry, I, I yeah. interrupted. Yeah. Well, no, I was just saying like I like I like that aspect of what he's doing there is he's he's sort of uh laying out the dark path that Archer and the Enterprise are potentially on. But yeah, I think ultimately what what they're doing is no different than any other, like you said, any other militia group or a group of space pirates they've come into contact with, except now now they're in the expanse, so now they're going to shoot back. Right. Because they yeah. got those nice new photon torpedoes and shit. <laughs> um, I, think, I, think that's a, I think that's a big problem, actually, with it. I think that's... I think that because it's so similar, Archer's reaction here feels undeserved because it's while I, while I'm aware that there's a ticking clock about the Zindi weapon, Archer hasn't even had script time to voice these concerns. Like I feel like you need a crew a scene with the crew where he's like, "God damn it, people! Like Earth Earth survival is on the line, and we're out here fucking everything up." And we need to get our ducks in a row and make sure the things work. And to show you how I'm going to do this, I'm going to throw this guy out the airlock to show you how fucking serious <laughs> I am about this. Yeah. And I don't think they've, they just don't have the time. They have, it's only two episodes. They haven't had the time to yeah. do that. And I think it's vital that they do that because otherwise Archer comes off a little bit more unhinged. But what I like they about go, it. 
Go ahead. He goes zero. To, he goes zero to Jack Bauer very quickly yeah. in this episode. <laughs> this, this is peak twenty four too. Twenty four mm-hmm. was airing during this this era. Um, but what I'm what I'm most distressed about here is that even though I like the Archer stuff, I think I think Archer's potential arc here. And I know that I'm talking about a show that's 20 years old at this point, but there's <laughs> I see serious potential in what they can do with Archer. Sure. Here. I sure. see like yeah. tremendous uh, potential about what could happen. And I know that mm. a lot of people are, would say the feedback that they think that the show is too... Uh, it's almost something you said at the start too, that the show has done things better in other series and other episodes. Mm-hmm. And like Cisco is kind of brought up, like this is a poor man's mm-hmm. version of Pale Moonlight. Sure. I would strongly, strongly, strongly disagree because Cisco always had darkness in him to sure. me. Cisco sure. was yeah. always, there was something under the surface for Cisco where I never saw Cisco in the pale moonlight being that drastic because he was always the captain who was able to do that. So his, his mm-hmm. decision to sort of murder people or allow people to be murdered for the greater good felt okay for him. Mm-hmm. Archer has been the G shucks, I'm just happy to be here guy for two seasons, right? And him being pushed into this feels totally different and totally character changing in a way that I think is fascinating and not even Cisco really got across because Cisco was already there halfway. Yeah, I think the I think the comparison comes though because they're not like you're saying, that's always been part of Cisco's character. The, going this dark has not always been part of Archer's character, and you, as you also said, you're not seeing him make the change. It's just now he's Ben Cisco level angry, you know. Yeah. So it's like I, I can see the comparison being apt based on the episodes themselves, but I don't disagree with you. Uh, I, I think that I think <clears throat> I think Archer in general had had is a has a ton of potential that they just never really up to this point have accessed in a way that I think is like really um, satisfying because having, having this story of the first Starfleet captain um, where in theory on the page in the pitch room, you get to see him learn what it means to be a Starfleet captain and learn what it takes to be the Starfleet ideal. And then in season three, he has to learn, he has to put all that stuff to the test and you have to really push him down a dark corridor to see if that stuff holds up. That's super interesting, but they didn't, they didn't really lean into it as much as I hope they would in the first two seasons, the, the building him up as the first Starfleet captain. And here he's going from, you know, zero to high violence, you know, at the drop of a hat. Yeah. So it's, I, I'm, I'll be interested to see. I hope they pull him back and, and give him a little bit more nuance because I think there's plenty of room there to still do it. Uh, I think you can write that shit pretty easily. It's only been two episodes. Yeah. Um, but if they don't, I'm going to be a little disappointed if it's just he's a angry torture machine now. Yeah. Because I. Yeah, hopefully they hopefully they pull him back they'll give him some room to breathe or something uh maybe they'll maybe maybe the show will realize that it's going a little bit too fast at this point and it needs to slow mm-hmm. down because they don't have a lot of headspace for him or headroom after this for and him it's, it's an easy fix too because i think you could you could if, if let's say they did notice that right <clears throat> i think you can adjust it by calling it out in the show 
Like if you have, if you're like, oh shit, we're pushing him too far. We got to dial him back. Have Chapal bring it up, you yeah. know, and like it'd be like you're you you've really changed very quickly, <laughs> and you're not really thinking through <laughs> a lot of the things you're doing. And then it becomes part of the show and becomes interesting. Yeah. Um, so it'll be it'll be. I, I, I'm looking forward to see what happens. Um, but yeah, the abrupt change and the lack of nuances is turning me off to him. I um. Because I I was kind of joking at the start about how it's a reboot of the series in general, but I, I do think that to make it an effective change, they should just condense and distill what the early Enterprise seasons were, which is that the Enterprise is out there making mistakes. But I feel mm-hmm. that the Expanse's mistakes are different because the Expanse, things that go wrong in the Expanse in this early run should be a sequence of events that show you that the expanse kind of operates under its own rules and that it's a much more warlike area and that there is Mm -hmm. no real, uh, as they kind of unsubtly say here, like the expanse changes you when you, when you come into this, uh, battle Royale sequence or whatever, I would have more sequences of that where Archer comes in with his initial proto Federation values and is trying to sort Mm -hmm. of like talk to people and get information from them and through a sequence of episodes and interactions, he learns that that is not really possible. And only then does his jump to I'm going to shoot you out the airlock feel like it's a it's both <coughs> rational and horrifying at the same time, much like right. the, you know, much like to tie it into like the torture post 9-11 thing. It's like it's horrific and upsetting, but at the same time, you're trying to stop something worse from happening down the line, mm-hmm. right? So it's like if if you're – is the life of this one guy worth the life of 20 million in New York City if a dirty bomb goes off or something like that? Mm-hmm. And I think that there's room to play there. It's just that Archer, Archer – Archer's – also his rationale for doing it is not the best here. I feel like you could tweak this to make this a little more, more like, yeah, this is the guy that has to be – he has to do it to this guy. This guy's just kind of being difficult to him and doesn't want to tell him something, so he's yeah. going to do that. But I feel they're, they're in a better episode or a better version of this, there would be some real stakes to that alien character that it's not just I'm disagreeing sure. with you, but you would know something about him or something like that. But it doesn't happen, unfortunately, but I think it would have strengthened it. Yeah, and I also think they're they're leaving money on the table story-wise not involving the Makos in this story. They get Excuse naked. Me, they, do, they do the Starship Troopers That's true. sequence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I should. I, they are involved, but like you don't have them. It, it's, it's still the thing that I was talking about years ago when we – it feels like we've been doing this for years, this enterprise, mm-hmm. um, where there isn't that military devil on the shoulder nudging him towards the, these decisions. You know what I mean? Like if you had the guy – what's his name from uh, – Friday the 13th there from the last episode who is the leader of the Makos kind of pushing Archer more towards the militaristic uh, enhanced interrogation techniques type stuff. John, this hasn't been working. Let me, let me tell you how, how we can get some information out of this guy. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that goes a long way because you've, I still think that there is so much, uh, possibility to be mined from the Starfleet way coexisting with a more traditional human militaristic 
way on the same ship and how those ideologies butt heads. And in this situation, when you're in the expanse, you're probably leaning a little bit more towards the military because these guys are a little bit more hard edged and they're going to make sure they're going to they're going to do what they have to do to make sure that they win and that they keep moving forward. Whereas not that not that Starfleet doesn't do that, but they're not going to take the same steps that the Makos probably would. And I think I think that would be really especially this episode where he's talking to a prisoner of war, basically. Uh, trying to get information out of him, and this guy is telling him about the fate of his soul mm-hmm. that he's uh, uh, facing down right now. You're and too how he nice, John. Guy. You can't torture me. Try to torture me. <laughs> <laughs> Two on the nose. I hate the dialogue between them, but I, yeah. yeah, I get your point. Um, and you don't ha- you don't balance that with, or you don't counterbalance that with the Mako guy being like, you know. Steps need to be taken here, John. You know, there's. I think that the one of the the tried and true elements of Star Trek that seems to work is the uh, the triangle of influence, which is why Kirk, McCoy, and Spock always work so well. And even when you get into TNG, the third person is usually different, but it's usually some variation of Picard, Riker, and somebody else. Yeah. And it's really like Picard data, Picard data, and a, thir- a rotating third sure, wheel. Probably. Yeah, yeah. But when you have someone, a character like this, who is the captain of a, a ship or the, the leader of something, you can get a lot of mileage out of having opposing viewpoints that they are listening to and, and seeking uh, advice from or, or whatnot. And I think, I think it would would be a really interesting way to go with uh, with Archer, especially in this new situation they've been thrown in. I wonder about, I don't disagree with you about the Mako being a good devil on the shoulder aspect. I do wonder how much, if the Mako influence is too strong, if that weakens Archer as a character, because it's like, Jesus, does sure. Archer like ever like have a belief of his own, or is he just going to listen to this guy and tell him what to do? Well, I think, I think that's, where, that's where your drama comes from, right? Mm-hmm. It's, Archer is a man of, of beliefs and, and uh, principles. Which ones are he gonna? Which what is he gonna bend and what is he gonna break in order to make sure that he gets the job done in this new situation that he's not prepared for with this new element here that is kind of giving him uh, an alternative that he generally wouldn't consider. Yeah, I don't think it has to make him weak. I think it gives him options and makes his decisions that much more uh, interesting, though. Yeah, I guess I would. I, I guess my, uh, I guess my point would be that. Archer would be deciding it for himself. I guess I don't I don't really have a problem. I guess I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate with it. But if Archer sure. doesn't come up with the idea himself, it seems I wouldn't say it's it's a problem for the story to have the Makos there to do that. I think that adds something. Um I guess my my direction that I would take it is that I'm actually a little bit surprised in this where when Reed runs up on Archer decompressing the guy, it's he has he's mildly concerned there. But there's no conversation with Archer after about it, mm-hmm. where he's like, are you all right, Captain? Like, what the hell is going on? I think the scene after that is a briefing where they're all acting like nothing ever happened in there. And Mission I think... Mission accomplished. We got the info. <laughs> and maybe Reed isn't the right character to run in based on how he's been sketched. Like, Or maybe that's our headcanon that he would be the guy to be like, yeah, Captain, give him another 10 seconds in that goddamn thing. Um Trip maybe, or someone like that, or Hoshi. God forbid Hoshi do anything in this episode. Maybe mm. she comes up and helps. But I think 
that's my one concern with it is that hopefully the series doesn't just go for the plot and idea end point instead of showing what the characters are going through to get there. Sure. Uh, sure. Just like you, they know that this happened post 9-11 and we know Archer has to get there. Now's a good enough time to have him torture that guy and throw him out of the airlock or whatever. <laughs> I, I hope that the, there's more of a crew-based reaction because I think that the Makos would be important there and that I think you should also, maybe more importantly than the Makos, have the crew be split on what's going on yeah. here. Oh, definitely, yeah. <clears throat> I think there's plenty of room for that stuff to, to happen. Um, does he does he kill him at the end of the episode? Does he throw him out of the airlock? No, he um, he tells him to leave. And the, the, the ending thing is the guy going, you won't do well with mercy here, Archer, as he right. leaves okay. to go home. Yeah, yeah I, you just kept mentioning I was like, did I? No, no. I realize what the end <laughs> Reed, Reed would, Reed would want to come big, in and blow him out. Yeah, that's a big change for him, but a, Archer does not do that. a big change. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's a plus, I guess. Um, <laughs> Next episode. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, um, I, I think the I think it's telling that the elements that we're talking about are are more engaging than most of the whiz bang of this episode. Mm-hmm. What do you call um, whiz bang? Just the action sequences? <clears throat> yeah, just like I I don't know. It wasn't. I didn't find it super interesting them having to go get all their bombs back from the ship and <laughs> their food rations. Uh, their food rations yeah. and flying into uh the giant Cloaking sphere field. of blitanium or whatever the was hell that, it was was that sphere causing the anomalies is that what they're saying is happening i think so yeah i think it was because it said it had like seven reactors inside it that were each like 12 mi- 12 kilometers long or yeah. something but only three of them were still working and i think they were saying that was the cause of some of the were they saying anomalies were they saying the zindi built it there was something about the zindi <clears throat> i honestly don't remember language i don't know like the, oh, they, the, they ended by getting the zindi database <clears throat> from that guy but i think that's from the ship i, I, I don't know if it's just a, supposed to be a mysterious thing that no one knows what it is or why it's doing that my understanding, if I remember correctly, is that when they go into the big sphere thing and they get all their shit back, that's where they get their shit yeah. back from, right? Yeah. yeah. It's a pirate hideout, the, but I don't think the pirates yeah. built it. They just found it. Right, right. It. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, because I was going to say, I, I remember them, they they grab the stuff and that's where they get the thing with the Zindi writing on it. And then Archer brings it to uh, Melty Face Guy mm-hmm. by saying, you guys stole or acquired zindi technology or something like right. that tell me about the zindi so i i wasn't sure if oh i see that whole thing was zindi or if it was just something they had on their ship yeah that makes more sense that they find zindi technology and that raises the question of you must have run into the zindi tell me something he says no and he says well fuck you then um mm-hmm. that that makes sense i some, Which one was it? Was it the bug one <laughs> the bug was it was or was it the werewolf guy they're both pretty weird don't want any peace don't want any piece of them. Yeah, I, I um the anomaly thing is strange. It, the the little planet uh whatever the fake sphere, Dyson sphere thing, the mini Dyson sphere is um it kind of felt like a strange thing to throw into the episode. It almost feels like it deserves its own. It's like a strange enough idea mm. to have its own thing. Yeah. Um I don't think it especially was wasted. Since, yeah, I was gonna say, especially since they don't really do much with it. Yeah. Is except it be like a uh 
the setting for the space battle at yeah. the end. Like, yeah. I, I could see, yeah, you could get a whole episode out of them flying into that thing and figuring out what the hell's going on in there. I mean, just it didn't seem like you liked the action of, as much of this one. Um, I, I really, mean, I liked I really it. Liked I thought it was action. good. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I think it's, they've definitely, they're doing that stuff better. Um, and it was the, the the ship battle at the end was definitely the best ship battle I've seen on the show. And it's it had more of that sort of Star Trek ship battle flavor to it, mm-hmm. uh, where it felt a little bit like submarines going at each other and stuff. I, I I thought that stuff was really was really fun. It's just it was just the the other stuff like why they were why the why was less interesting to me than than the than the the action itself i guess sure and the why in the sense of just uh just fighting off that ship well they have to get close to it to steal the zindi database from it um, yeah just just the getting all their guns and rations and stuff back and i was i don't know it was it was fine yeah i was i was a little bit surprised um i was a little bit surprised that they actually succeed in getting the Zindi database. What I thought it was going to be mm. was that Archer tortures the guy and he still doesn't get what he wants out of it. And I also thought it's just, it's early enough in the season where they can have an episode where he doesn't get information about the Zindi mm-hmm. at this point, you mm-hmm. know? And when they were doing the thing of like, we have to be within five feet of them to get a Wi Fi connection, I thought it was just going to break down and they would all be, they put, themselves in great danger and got nothing out of it and archer compromised himself to get something out of it and he did not get anything out mm. of it so when he lets the guy go at the end there's a little bit more of a scene of like i hope you got what you wanted archer and archer has to go like god damn it like it, it doesn't work out for him i was a little i was a little bit surprised that they got information that will mm. apparently lead to some next piece in the puzzle <laughs> to find the zindi yeah i think another op- a way you could go <clears throat> that would be interesting and and kind of morally gray and satisfying dramatically is if Archer has to make a choice between getting the Zindi stuff and getting all of their shit back. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. instead of just going into the sphere and then be like, oh, here, here it all is. Let's just send it back to the ship. Oh, we also found this Zindi thing. If there was some sort of other thing in there where it's like you have to choose a path here. You can either get the rest of your stuff back, which is going to be mean more gas and more guns and more food or whatever, or you can go after and you can get the Zindi thing, which is going to mean you getting one step closer to your your goal. Yeah, and having to to find some other way to get your gas and your food. Because because like I that. mean, there too. I mean, that's a great. Obviously, this is a different episode, but that's a great catalyst for crew drama. You know, you get yep. Paul and Tripp in there being like, what are you talking? We got to get our shit back so we can defend ourselves so we can finish this mission. You know, and then Archer is like, well, you know, we might not have a mission if we can't get this other, th- you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. So, Well, just to me, it feels more natural in a 24, I think it's 24, uh, 22 or 24 episode season. That feels um, to not have their supplies feels like a more appropriate early episode ending where they have to now have mm-hmm. upcoming episodes where they get some supplies back and things like that. Yeah. Um, they don't do that. Obviously my final thing about this one is that um, I really thought this is one of those classic episodes of Star Trek that I think it's okay until the last 10 minutes. And then I think the last mm-hmm. 10 minutes are great. And I'm like, where does this fall? Like how much does this ending impact this episode for me? Because I think most of it is fairly middling and decent and okay and kind of an elevated version of what Enterprise has done before. But I really like Archer's decision 
I really like the ship battle and mm-hmm. I really like the sort of ending of it where Archer is now clearly just obsessed with Zindi as he bathes in the light of this information that he's going to take advantage of. I just felt it was a strong finale to the episode. Um, I don't know if you would agree or if you think it changed anything for you. I probably sound, I'm probably uh, more positive on this than you are, but not that this is a great episode, but I was impressed by what it decided to do in the last 10 minutes. Yeah, no, I, I like the last 10 minutes. Um, <clears throat> I think, uh, well, I guess I'd go either way. I was going to say I wish Archer had a little bit more connection or knowledge of the Zindi that feeds into him being so obsessed instead of being like completely in the dark about a lot of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it, it fits the, the, the white whale kind of thing they're going for with him, the captain Ahab route and whatnot. Um, what do you, yeah, what do you no, how I do think- you, how would you strengthen? Cause I think we both agree. Archer's motivation here on paper makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. How would you strengthen this to make Archer's determination seem more appropriate at this point? Um, Is this just a matter of time? Is this a matter of you need more crew conversations? We need to see Trip gently touching the picture of his dead sister more frequently. We need to see devastation back on Earth. I think, I think there needs to be more link. <clears throat> excuse me more link between um, his goal and his state of mind change. I think there needs to be a little bit more kind of exploration of that uh, so you can see the how and why that, that this thing is affecting him so much. Obviously, I mean, obviously they, they blew up Florida. Yeah. Um, but like outside of that, there hasn't been a lot of real... Um, connection or or stuff to grab onto outside of that large scale idea yeah as far as his determination and his uh demeanor change so i think i i don't i don't have the specifics of how you would do it but i think i think there needs to just be a little bit more exploration of what is causing him to become so uh, uh obsessive about it now yeah, what I think the loss is... Sorry, I was just going to say, because, like, the attack is... Obviously, we're looking at this 20 years later, and obviously at the time, it probably is a lot easier to identify with his mind state. True. Or state of mind yeah. than it is now. Uh, not that we forgot, because never forget. But um, but it still doesn't... <clears throat> I, what, I, what I personally think the problem is that, and to make this a timeless concept for the tv show is that you can't rely on the raw emotion of 9-11 at that point it's like right 9-11 right. meant something in reality because it meant something to watch the towers fall in real time and to learn mm. about the 3,000 dead and everything like that and a sort of like ideology that most people in america were probably pretty ignorant of that was like basically uh fiending for our ruination at that point point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what they do is they crib it in this show and they just take a similar kind of event and have the characters act off of it. But as you say, 20 yeah. years later, I think they need to focus more on how this has personally affected them as this goes right. on because th- yeah. his drive is only coming from this event. But Archer is, as a viewer of the show, to me, Archer is reacting in a way that it's like, that didn't really happen. You know, like I saw the, la- mm-hmm. the CGI laser beam, but that was whatever. That's right. not a real thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's I think that that's more or less what I'm talking about because outside of outside of the direct comparison to 9/11 of of the attack on Florida it it's really no different than if they were to say you know sub deep space 7 just got blown up and yeah. now we have to go and we have to go uh, avenge all the people who died of deep space 7 or like uh all of well not Bejor because we know who's going on Bejor, but like pick a planet. Even like, when Praxis some, blew up, you know, it's like I don't, I don't yeah. think about the Klingons who died on Praxis when it blew up in the undiscovered country yeah. or whatever. It's just, it's just one of those things where it's like the scale is so big that it's, it's tough to really. It's a perfectly fine catalyst, but it's not enough to really get you invested in what the in the character's quest. There has to be more to the character and more. Uh, fine-tune the things that they're after it's the same it's the same problem that i think that they managed to to uh sidestep pretty well in a lot of the marvel stuff like when you get into the infinity gauntlet Mm -hmm. and shit like that or let's take uh guardians of the galaxy 2 where it's like peter quill versus his dad who is a living a literal living planet yeah it's like these things get so big that it's like well you need a smaller stakes thing to grasp onto to understand why these cosmic level things are important and worth caring about. Otherwise, it just turns into punching and, and blasting and who gives a shit. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And in that one, in Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, uh, more and le- more or less successfully linked it to this uh, father drama that he's having with his dad who just happens to be this god level being and whatnot so like they they know how to do it there but it's that kind of thing where it's like you need like galactus showing up is fine mm-hmm. but it's it's how the fantastic four react to that on a small a smaller level while dealing with the macro problem right that is the thing that is the story you know yeah yeah i i i think that's vital just the, like the summary for me would just be that 9-11 viscerally meant something to be alive during it, mm-hmm. but Archer as a fictional character needs something. He needs to, to kind of tell me what it matters totally. to him. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I don't think anyone on the crew, even Trip, Trip was Trip's sister died, but it's just it it's almost irrelevant, really. It's like it's an attempt to flesh it out, but there was no way to to do it uh, to ground it in any way better than that. And even there, like you, I'm surprised that their roles aren't kind of flipped. Honestly, that Trip isn't more. Uh, the hothead endless yeah more endlessly on edge about it than archer is archer is clearly the one who's who's being the most emotionally uh uh outward with it and trip for the most part has just been doing like jokes and shit Mm -hmm. like it's that he had the the last episode with the the terminator dream and uh he roughed up the zindi he had no yeah he roughed up the zindi guy yeah Yeah. but 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 aside from that he's just kind of like normal trip except now flox is trying to get him to hook up with to paul so he can have a good night's sleep what a what a what a clumsy there's nothing really else to say about what what a clumsy running plot that is alongside this this arc of archer squeezing a guy's eyeballs till his heads explode and then you know war or whatever going on and anomalies and stuff like that just like yeah you well tense you know, trip the thing that's bothering me about it is the flocks of it all mm. like if it had been more organic and it had been to paul uh 
actively going out of her way to try and bridge this gap and, and help him in a very clinical way. But obviously, in retrospect, it's like, well, she clearly has some sort of the feelings for him or whatever. That would be more satisfying, I think, to see them come together more organically. Yeah. Whereas now this has like the feeling of like uh, Aunt May telling Spy- uh, telling Peter Parker he really needs to meet <laughs> the next door neighbor's daughter. You know, and it's just, I mean, obviously they were happily married for many years, Mary Jane and Peter. But yeah. uh, um, it's just got that kind of feeling to it where it's like neither one of these people are really interested in, in doing this, but there's one person who keeps pushing the button. Yep. And it just feels awkward. It does. I guess we'll call especially, and, and I mean, maybe this is like too silly or too, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is, but like to have someone who is in emotional trauma be comforted by the one who has the emotional coldness yeah. or control that a vulcan has and how those two interact and how they kind of like change each other Mm -hmm. that's really interesting i think that's that's a good story but i don't need i don't need (laughs) flocks over there peeking over the bushes (laughs) to see if they're making out you know yeah yeah i guess flocks doesn't have much else to do although a lot of characters on the show unfortunately don't have much to do um i guess we'll call it there i don't think there's anything else to say about this one i think we covered all the aspects of it so let's take a break maybe the patrons will remind us we'll play a clip from the episode we'll come back read some patron thoughts and give our final thoughts about anomaly your ship attacked a zindi vessel i want to know everything you can tell me about them zindi you heard me i don't remember a species with that name you're lying the manifest said you took their ship less than two weeks ago. What manifest? Tell me what you know. It was a small ship. They were no match for us. Where are they now? Thank you, everybody, for well, thank you, everybody, for listening today to the podcast. Thank you for listening and supporting the show. If you want to support the show, you go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. It's the best way to do it. A couple dollars a month, just a couple bucks, a cappuccino at Starbucks or whatever you want to do. You can support us. You well, get you know, content. You, if you just don't, if you if you save your money on that cappuccino and also don't give us money, I've heard that it will lift you above the poverty line because <laughs> that's all it takes is just <laughs> one fewer coffee a month and you're you're right up there with Bezos. You just got it's all about saving people. You just got to open your Vanguard IRA and put five bucks a week into it, and pretty soon it's all over for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah, how very Papa joke. John. That's how Papa John did it. Yep. I think. (laughs) I'm sure that's how he claims he did it. Thank you very much for listening. Obviously, support the show, patreon.com slash the Penske file. And again, a couple dollars a month, you get extra stuff, extra podcast. We're talking about Iron Man and Friday the 13th part three and the ultimate computer this month on Patreon. And there's a whole bunch of other podcasts. There's like 90 of them in the past. Check it out there. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. Keeps the lights on here. It's much appreciated and very generous of you to support us there. Sorry to keep hammering Do we it have, home, but it's important. Can we start selling like supplements or something? We can. To really, to really get the... Kettlebells with our face on, just the faces on yeah. us. <laughs> something, something that'll convince people to give us their entire stimulus check. <laughs> I'm looking forward to, uh, although I botched my ta- this is I botched my taxes last year, so I think I owe a decent amount this year, which is unfortunate. And that the stimulus is going to be helpful for that, but it's like robbing Peter to pay Paul. Really, it's like the government yeah, gives me money. Yeah. I'm like, here you go, you can have it back. It feels kind of unfortunate. 
thank you very much, patrons. You can leave your comments on upcoming episodes if you're a patron. And I realized today that some people, I don't say this, so maybe I should say this. If you go to patreon.com slash the Penske file, the top post there is where you can leave your comments for this. I know that uh, uh, Grim was saying that he never has left a comment and he was not sure where to do it, but that, I realized I've never actually said where to go. So it's on the Patreon page. Just go to the top post on it. It's pinned there. Leave a comment. He actually, he did leave a comment this time. It just says test. Testing. One, two, three. And a special thank you to our patrons of the Captain tier and above. Special thank you, Ben Douglas, Tarek Latif, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Michael Pond, Matthew Ross, Andrew Cherlock, Samuel Custer, Cardinal Doomsday, Matt Cutler, Nick Sergi, Grim Santo, Sean, Christian Pouch, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Darth Moss, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Vol 13 Hero, Russell Elledge, HH28, uh, Stefan Minton, Derek Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jacob123, Poindexter G, Nick the Rat, Mike Harris, Eric Antoine, Kevin Lowry, Captain Brazen, Jakey's Gamer, Grappler, John Zorn, Patrick Seba, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, Rayhan Jaffer, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, Dave Davies, Retail, Olivia Pardue, War Tiny Brown Dicks, Tom Hickey, and Jose Hunter's EWNF remixes. <gasps> Thank you very much, everyone. Very generous. Um, it's like no a good. whole Patreon full of fantasy football team names. <laughs> <laughs> I'll use some of yours in my future fantasy game. So let's talk about Anomaly with the Patreon comments. Jakey's Gamer says, I always thought this season of Enterprise did a really good job of balancing serialized and episodic storytelling, something I'd hoped Discovery and Picard would adopt. This is clearly, quote, the one with the space pirates, end quote, but it still manages to add things to the larger story by fleshing out the anomalies in the expanse and their effect on those who enter it, Archer included, in the acquisition of the Zindi database. As an episode, it's nothing particularly special, but what I, I like what they're building here. Three Aldebaran mud leeches out of five. Or Aldebaran, I guess would be the pronunciation. Matt Ross says, this was really cool to see the ship being affected by space weirdness, considering the ship is actually... These are my daughters, Aldebaran and Zindi. (laughs) Considering the ship is being approached by hostile forces, you think you deploy all of your security forces in advance. Where's Major Hayes with his told you so? A bit reminiscent of the Voyage from Voyager, it's readily apparent that the Enterprise is not a capable ship for this mission, nor is overly angry Archer convincing. Earth feels doomed from this point. Three out of five. Speaking of voyages, uh, the the bad guy ship actually looked a lot like the Voyager. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Had that sort of spoon look with the uh, the cells on the side. The um, this was an episode I saw the CG ships and I missed the models of the old days. I know it's time mm. consuming and too expensive, which is kind of the same thing in terms of salary and stuff. But it's like uh, I do miss the model <coughs> aspect of it, which really felt like it was important to the identity of this. It's just that the CG stuff seems. It's A, not very good at this point, so mm. it looks really fake, and it just kind of lacks um, the charm of the models. I don't think it sinks the show or anything, but I do miss the model ships originally. Mm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, there's when we were watching uh, uh, WandaVision, I just kept thinking to myself, man, the level of sophistication of special effects that they can do for television now is absolutely mind-blowing like you can do it in your home these people these editors and stuff are working on computers at their home yeah yeah vision spoilers vision versus vision is like a special effect bonanza that you would see in one of the movies Mm -hmm. i mean obviously i guess it's probably their i I imagine disney is throwing a shitload of money at the at these marvel shows but yeah uh still like even even the like discovery the special effects in Discovery are amazing. Yeah. You know, the the shows look fantastic. They look better than they ever have. 
Um, and it's so it's interesting to see how the sort of uh, uh, dark ages of television CGI really how how much it affects your enjoyment of the show. You know, yeah, it's noticeable. I, I noticed that when the worst shot here, I think, is when the shuttle docks with the dead ship at the very beginning of this it looks like mm-hmm. it has to fly upside down and i know they're trying to impress you with this is what cg can do that the models can't do but it looks like a windows screensaver of like a triangle flying at a square yeah. and it's like this is yeah. uh, i'm not interested in this well the, uh, the the florida sequence from the first episode yeah. where uh sim city getting obliterated by yeah. him. <laughs> Not my residential area. God damn it. I had taxes coming in. Latte Librarian says, Anomaly, at no point was I convinced Archer would actually kill the prisoner, but the rest of the episode was good. Quality progress bar, uh, quality progress bar tension. Three frozen coffees out of five. Kyle Barrett says, When this season was produced, 24 was the hottest show on TV, and this episode marks an active attempt to turn Archer into Jack Bauer type figure, a Jack Bauer type figure. While the writers will actually succeed in pushing Archer to perform some bold and questionable actions later in the season, I feel this episode pushes him too far too soon. But other than that one issue, I think this is a great follow up to the season opener and maybe even acts as a better premiere in some ways. It seems as if the Zindi arc has rejuvenated every aspect of the production, and the show now has real momentum and energy, although the new Briggs set sucks four out of five it is it's hard to shoot in that brig set uh there's no good angles archer has to walk around between the windows and peer in different windows and then walk yeah. to the next one and peer in yeah <clears throat> yeah it looks like the brig looks like uh uh where they keep all the athletic equipment at a high school yeah yeah you yeah know, yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's a storage the, the cage the storage cage and shit well i got a better sense it was um repurposed i was expecting archer to walk in and go like reed tell me what do we do here in this room mr Meltface? you'll notice that you're sitting next to a stove because this place didn't exist and we had to retrofit the ship and now the kitchen is the brig why am i telling you this because being a prisoner is a lot like being an ingredient of a beautiful dish flocks come in here and sedate this motherfucker Royo says, when Archer needs to make a decision, the gods flip a coin. When Nausicaan pirates attack Earth's merchant fleet, Archer didn't hesitate to side with the pirates against his own people and fortunate son. What gives you the right to take prisoners, Archer said with an indignation to the victims of piracy. When Archer becomes the victim of piracy, not only does he hes- not hesitate to take a prisoner, he tosses him into an airlock and tortures him for the access codes, mirroring the actions of the crew of the fortunate. The resulting doublethink makes our captain look bipolar... Uh, look, look like a bipolar, hypocritical jackass, and the writing seems blissfully unaware of it. Three out of five. You know, it makes him look like a hypocrite, but I don't think it makes the writing look bad. Because no. if we're being honest, that's just how it would go. That's what people do, you know? Yeah, and it, I think it just it feeds into Archer's motivations have changed here. Like, the, yeah. the Zindi thing in the background is supposed to make him inconsistent, and what he's doing because that's mm-hmm. what it's commenting on. So I don't, um, I don't think it's actually bad that he does this. It's, it's maybe strange that they, the show doesn't comment on it or the show seems slightly unaware that it, although I don't think the show is unaware that that's what they're doing with Archer. They're only unaware that the fortunate son is a direct example of the opposite happening to him. Right. Right. So, yeah, which doesn't bother me too much. 
Christian yeah. Pouch says, Enterprise talks up the expanse is dangerous, but it can't actually pay it off. So all we get are sparks and people being bounced around instead of anatomically inverted. I like the concept of the expanse turning people into savages, and I enjoy Archer's deranged ruthlessness because it makes him interesting. Does anyone else Jack Bauer? But it comes on too soon. They just got here. This is the first danger they've run into. Bonus points for no neural pressure this episode because it's dumb as shit, and I don't need to see Trip give to Paul a backhandy ever again. Nits aside, it's a solid 3.7 out of 5. You might not need to see it, but there are, I've heard that peop, some people Brand, enjoy it. Ratings way up for that neurofresher. <laughs> we got a 1.2. I'll tell you, <laughs> it's a beautiful scene. I watched it 10 times by myself last night. Cialis ad money is pouring in, Brandon. Need more of it. Point Extra G says, Anomaly. So far, it's been episodes that further the arc, but also are still largely self-contained stories. That's a major thing that they've gotten right this season. The idea of Archer having to sacrifice his morality as things get desperate is a good idea, but I don't know if Bacula really sells it. This has already been done much better with Cisco on DS9, so I'm not sure what it says that the other shows didn't. I did notice the music on this episode, and I thought it was a really nice departure from 90s Trek music that we've been given previously. I did not notice the music, but there's another comment, I think, coming later that mentions the music. Did you notice the music being any different in this one? Not specifically, no. Uh, yeah. I, again, it's what I said on the Bond Patreon. It's like music needs to be really terrible or really great to me for me to actively choose to seek it out. So I didn't notice mm. anything. Uh, Nick Sergi says, one of my favorite episodes is Anomaly, a great action piece with fantastic music. I really like how ballsy the episode is. It just seems like they uh, just seems like they let the reins loose for music and action in general. Though the female Mako was cool, they clearly used her appeal. It's true. She has appeal. It's a very much an Aliens uh, homage they do, there. They do open that scene of them putting their shit on with like her already mid taking her shirt off. Mm-hmm. So. Archer's totally nude. He's, he's ready to go. <laughs> what a, they might have gravity yeah, fluctuations over there. Everybody else is putting suits on and he's just hanging out with no shirt on. Because <laughs> that's how you get people to take you seriously at your job. He's uh, Trump at the backstage of his uh, beauty pageant or whatever oh, for, for youth. Um, that's it. Thank you, Patrick. Can I get a copy of that scene too? I <laughs> I, I put it on my tape with my favorite Girls Gone Wild commercials. Rick had to shoot two days worth of dailies of that Mako scene, and we're going to use 30 seconds of it. Full coverage, Brandon. <laughs> Full coverage. <laughs> That's it. Thank you guys very much for leaving your comments about Anomaly. There's a good, uh, a good mix of comments there with a, a variety of opinions ab- about it. Clay, what are you going to give this one on our scale of one to five? Um, this is a tough one for me. <clears throat> Yeah. I think I'm going to go with a high three. I agree. And I feel bad because I wanted to give, I wanted to give it a low, I wanted to give it a low four, but I just don't think, I just don't think it gets there. I think the last 10 minutes are like strong four material Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it lifts the rest of the stuff out of it. And I don't think this is one where I'd be like, this is definitely like you must be watching this one. I'm. This is the thing about our rating system and how I view the, the, the rating system, right? Like a three in the first season is inferior to a three right now, right? But I still see them mm-hmm. as this is a good, competent episode of Enterprise right now. Mm-hmm. It's just that mm-hmm. it's not... The stories and the episodes themselves are not uh, getting better in terms of like being better episodes. They're just better production, and I think that the show has a new energy to it, as other people mm-hmm. have said. 
it's it's a strong three. It's a much better three than the first season, but I think it's still a three. It's a very competent, well done episode that really doesn't knock my socks off except for that last sequence, but I don't know if that's enough. Yeah, I would agree with that. Thank you guys very much. Threes for the both of us. It's been two threes, although um, I'm liking this season so far. It's interesting. We're only two episodes in, so this doesn't yeah. mean anything, but it's like I, <laughs> I definitely do feel the show feels different. It feels mm-hmm. really different from what it was last season. I feel like they fired one of their lighting guys because it's a much darker shot yeah. season so far. The uh, well, the bridge looks better dark with the the colored light. They've added yeah. like colored panels to the back of like lights uh, going on and stuff like that. And like colored lights are in the background. And it just mm-hmm. makes it, the first season was just gray. Everything was just gray and uniformly lit. And it's like, there's nothing interesting about any of this. Why, why is it done mm-hmm. this way? I know they wanted to make it a submarine or whatever, but this is a case where your space fantasy show can have a little bit of interest to it. It doesn't have to model real world submarine technology to, to get out there. Just real world disasters. Right. Exactly. As long as you got your priorities straight. Thank you very mm-hmm. much everybody for listening. That's it. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you want to support us, that's the best way to do it. It's threes for both of us. Enjoying the season. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we go? Uh, we have a, I don't know what week we're in when this comes out. But last we, week was uh, Rotten Horror. Last week was Rotten Horror, so that means... If Badass has started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Badass has not started at this point, I don't think. Um, and then our next Rotten Horror... It's either Cabin in the Woods it's or It's not Cabin Red. in the Woods. It's the, the next one. What's the, Yeah, because Cabin in the Woods would have just came out last week. Yeah, okay. So it's I, I think it's... I believe it's Deep Red. No, it's just... Dario Argento movie. Nice. To get a little bit of a... Is that on the list? That's not a wild card, right? Nope, that's on the list. Yeah. 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 You guys can check that out at thepenskefile.com. Badass is up there. All the other shows are up there. Otherwise, you can go to the YouTube channel and all that stuff for all these there things. There may be another one in between, but I honestly can't remember. <laughs> we'll go back and we'll, we'll correct we'll correct the record. I'm, I'm being blasted with quantum... Uh, What's the shit they used to date the thing in this? Quantum dating, quantum, I think they call it. Quantum, yeah. yeah, my quantum dating machine is screwing me up, so I don't know where in time that I am. <laughs> Maybe the cold, temporal cold war will just kill us all, and no one will ever hear any of the podcasts that come out in the future. Thank you guys for listening. That's Anomaly. We're back with Extinction is the next episode. I think a lot of one-word titles in this season so far. Uh, and that's it. Thanks very much. See ya.